Accelerating to a better future, an insight into innovation at Imperial. Hello and welcome to this edition of Insights, Accelerating to a Better Future, a series of short podcasts that offer a more in-depth look at the science and thinking behind the main podcast series. Today, we're exploring the fascinating area of environmental food production, a huge topic, but we're specifically looking at carbon neutral food systems and who better to guide us through than Professor Angela Karp, Director and CEO of Rothamsted Research, not only a world leading institute dedicated to finding solutions to agri-food challenges, but home and partner to two of our startups, DryGrow and Phytoform. Angela, thanks so much for joining the podcast and welcome. Thank you, my pleasure. It's obviously an enormous area, as I said, and and it's quite hard to know where to start. But I wonder if you could just take a moment or two to tell people who may not be aware of the sort of work that you're doing at Rothamsted and and where your research and activities are more focused. Oh, sure. And I think actually it's very fitting to start with our beginning because we're over 176 years old now. But the point I wanted to make is that we were founded by an innovator who very much was trying to tackle what we're talking about now. So Sir John Bennett Laws discovered that if you treat uh, bones with acid, you could make a substance that when you added it to the soil, meant that plants grow better. And of course, that was a form of fertilizer. But he not only discovered that, he teamed up with a chemist, made it into a scalable process, built a huge factory on the Thames and sold the product. And that had a huge impact on agriculture because it enabled more growth of crops. But at the same time, of course, he created a lot of wealth from it. And with that wealth, he set up the Lord's Trust, which thanks to that, Rothamsted is in existence today. And and if we cast our time back to when Lord's was, and it started 1843, you might think that the challenges he had were very different. But actually, they're, they're very, very similar. He was very concerned about How do we manage our soils to get more from what we grow on top of them? But also, how do we manage our pests and diseases in a way that makes sure that we don't lose or waste a lot of crop yield in the process of cultivation? Now, of course, what's actually happened is that although those fundamental challenges are still there, that the complexity in which we have to work has changed enormously. Because now we need to do all that whilst protecting our environment which isn't something that laws had to worry about in those days. And that's put a huge kind of pressure on us. We still fundamentally and in a profound way need to feed people. It's absolutely the cornerstone of society that we can do that. And yet we must do that now in a way that protects the environment. And Rothamsted has a lot of science today and has continued to do science, which is all relevant to that purpose. Yes, because the problem very often now is not trying to get a a higher yield with more and more fertiliser. It's actually trying to restore the quality of the soil very often, isn't it? Because in some cases, the soil has become quite denuded of of nutrients because we've had this very high yield, quite chemical-based approach to agriculture over a a number of years. So so if you like, we've sort of moved on to the next phase of this journey, haven't we, about how we we get the yields, but we balance the the, the needs of the soil and, as you say, the surrounding environment. Yeah, absolutely. So what... What we have at Rothamsted is a classic experiment that was set up by Laws when he started in 1843. And you can see, because we've had continuous wheat growing on that experiment, 
You can see over time we've collected samples every year, even through the world wars, of plant material, soil material, seeds, everything that was added to the soil. So we know what fertilizers we use. We know everything. And what you can see over time is how in the UK we moved, in, and particularly in England where we are now, in the southeast of England, from yields of less than two tonnes per hectare to where we are at the present through innovations, a sequence of innovations. Now, of course, some of those were mechanical. We replaced the horse. We had different equipment. But one of the biggest uh, rises was the addition of farmyard manure that was added into soils and ameliorated soils, provided more nutrition for growth. And the next biggest one was a combination of genetics and agronomy. It was the dwarf varieties combined with nitrogen fertilizers, because then you could apply nitrogen fertilizer without the plant falling over when there was a strong wind and, and lodging when there was wind and rain. So the short straw plus the nitrogen gave us a huge leap in yields. And of course, after that, we had protection coming in the form of an arsenal of chemistry that has kept our, our crops and animals free from diseases in all sorts of different ways, medicines, chemistry, whatever. And where we are now is that we have relied on that to support what is quite an intensive production system in large areas of the, of the planet. And that's been at the cost of the environment. So the question for us at the challenge is how do we reverse in a way, or how do we at least make steps whilst not relying on those inputs and relying on those practices that result in a lot of climate change cost and also many other environmental damages like runoff into waterways, you know, degrading of soils. All of these processes were not sustainable in the long run because whilst we thought by adding what was needed, that would be enough, what we lost is the Earth's resources to continue that process naturally. And that's the piece we need to relearn. And that's where a lot of your research is focused. And the, and the two companies that we, we talked to, DryGrow and Phytoform, were really looking at alternative ways of producing food that, that in some cases were not even soil reliant. Um, so it, it must be a huge area of research, but can you just give us a sense of some of the, some of the focus or some of the, the issues that you're dealing with to try and address that? Because obviously we know our soils are, are depleted, so we've got to find other solutions. And some of that will presumably be producing food in a way that is, as I say, not soil dependent. Uh, some of it may well be. That's not an area that we are focusing that much on ourselves at Rothamstead because we have this long history of understanding soils and agricultural systems some of which incidentally can be applied to, you know, indoor vertical systems that, that people are exploring at the moment. But I, I, I think for us, it's, it's about integrated solutions because the biggest challenge that anyone faces when out on the farm, whatever scale you're working at in the field, is that if you make an intervention in one way, there's usually an interference or a uh, knock-on effect on something else that's not what you want to happen. So for us, it's very much about a systems approach. But if I go back to the three main areas that we're working on, and they are all interlinked, bearing in mind that systems piece. So one of those areas is protecting crops and the environment. So how do we move away from chemistry into more natural ways of protecting crops? And that could be, for example, by uh, using mixed plantations, using semiochemicals, uh, exploiting the volatiles that plants give off, to attract or repel insects, 
and using mixtures of plants in fields so that you've got a natural way of uh, deterring your enemies from coming in, in effect. Or when they're there, making the crops less attractive to actually stay on and consume. Using the crops themselves almost as alternatives to insecticide, effectively, having a natural barrier, yes. is that okay? That's correct. Or understanding how insects communicate with one another. Because, uh, so just to give you an example, you can do, uh, you can look in nature and find that some varieties are able to repel pests more readily than other varieties. So if you can understand what is in the chemistry, what's in the mix of volatiles given off by that plant that results in that repellent um, reaction and the pests then avoid it, you can breed that into the varieties that you want to grow at Stanley. So we, we have a huge program at Rothamstead called on chemical ecology, as it's called, and it's all about understanding the chemical signals that go between plant and insect in order to interfere with that in a way that protects our crops without having to rely on the agrochemistry that we've used in the past. Most of these chemicals will have come from plants themselves. You know? So we're using natural products, if you like, to, to protect crops. So protecting crops and environments is a big thing, but another area in that is the use of biodiverse mixtures around the edge of the field, understand the ecology and the interaction of, of the plants and, and insects that are beneficial and how we can work with farmers in a, a way of, of using their space so that they can um, grow crops that keep biodiversity that works in all sorts of ways. It attracts the, the birds and the, the mammals and the insects that you want anyway to conserve um, biodiversity, but in the same time, helps build up pools of beneficial insects that help um, a store of kind of natural predators that will go in and keep the insect pests at bay. So understanding who are our allies in this and building and reconstructing the farm so that those natural habitats work for everyone, as well as providing the more generic ecosystems functions, that's another area that we work on quite a lot. So this is really harnessing all those that history of science and discovery and the, the records you've got. Extraordinary that you've got wheat that's been growing for that length of time in a field. I mean, just mm. such a rich resource. And actually then projecting that forward to a different way of working with the land and with farmers and with the agricultural business that will actually allow us to be future-proofed, I suppose, isn't it? and yeah. much closer to the the balance that we need to achieve not only sustainable food production, but to tackle the effects of climate change. Are you finding that um, you're getting a positive response from farmers and from industry? I mean, I sense that possibly pesticide manufacturers may not be too keen because you might be putting them out of business. But is the but have you got a generally a positive response from from the industry and from farmers themselves? Uh, actually, we have a we have a positive response even from the agrochemical companies because they they know that they need to to survive and they they've understood they've got very strong um, goals which are related to to biodiversity and sustainability. And they're trying to find solutions. I mean, for them, these were, these could be new products. It, the fact that they've come from a plant and they're a semi-chemical is, if you like, irrelevant. We still need to work with industry to roll them out at big scale because being able to produce them at big scale and supply them at big scale isn't something that a research organisation would do. So, I th uh, and we do have, we have with farmers, we have a lot of work with farmers. We work with uh, a lot of our um, networks of farmers are trying out some of our interventions and also we listen to their innovations and try and try some of those out. But if I, if I may want to just like other area, which has been mentioned already, which is soils. I think here there is a technology has moved a lot in helping us understand what, what is a healthy soil. 
and what are the interventions above ground and in the way we manage soils. Uh, drill, no drill, conventional, you know, the, all this uh, type of thing, con conservation farming of, of, of soils is really important. Regenerative farming is coming back in. It's really, really important now. A lot of people are looking into regenerative farming and indeed have already shown success with it. So what we're doing is we have at Rothamsted some very interesting soils because in addition to the ones in the long-term experiments, we have some special plots that, for example, have not seen anything above them for very, very long periods of time. And then we put them back into cultivation and we put them, for example, under grass or we put them under mixtures or we put them under crops. And then you can see, well, what happens if you take, how inert is that soil because it's had nothing on it? What happens when you put it back into, into crops and what sort of crops, you know, what sort of mix gives you the best sort of result for the soil? And, and quite surprisingly, you know, it, soils are much more resilient than, than you might think. And that's a great piece of news. And we know that because we can use techniques that look at the microbiome in the soil, that look at the soil, the functioning microorganisms in the soil. And what, what you can see shifts, you know, of what types of microorganisms. And they recover very fast back, you know, in terms of what's growing above them. And that's something, again, that we can do at Rothamsted because we have very, very unique resources to try those kinds of experiments out. And then with farmers, we are practicing all manner of things to do with soils. Um, to understand really you know, what in the future is a, is a sustainable practice for the farmer that results in a healthy soil. Absolutely vital research, Angela, and we could we could talk to you all, all day, but sadly this was billed as a as a short mini pod, which is a shame because there's so much more to say. But I find it enormously encouraging to think that there's that, that there's this body of science and evidence, but there's also the interconnectedness and the practicality of working both with business and with farmers. Because this is, I think, if you know if we've learned anything, we know that we have to have a joined up solution to climate change, and we can't leave it to one or other body, and it cannot sit in one or other institution. It must be all of us working together. So, so to, to hear you talk about how closely you're working with, with industry, and, and I know that the support that you give to many of the startups that have come through the Accelerator program, you know, and to, to other businesses and your own startups themselves. So absolutely vital work to, to be able to bring these together and to, to um, you know, to, to come up with such positive news, actually. I'm, I'm heartened to hear that the soil is as resilient as it is. And by goodness, don't we need it to be? Yeah, it's just a question of, of people understanding what works. That's the most important thing. And I think bringing people together to demonstrate what works, to understand why it works, I think that helps with the logic then of knowing what to do next. And as you say, we have our own accelerator programme and it's been an exciting space, as I'm sure you also know, when you bring fresh ideas in to those people who have historic understanding of what works, because then you roll out things that actually will work, but are new. And yeah. I think that that's really important to hold on to. Hugely important and very, very exciting. And we wish you well and, and, and hope that we have a chance to talk to you again, um, because this is an absolutely fascinating subject. But thank you so much for sharing um, your insights and for being a guest on this Insights Accelerating to a Better Future podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. You can catch other episodes um, of these podcasts on the Grantham Institute website or on Planet Pod's website, theplanetpod.com, where you'll catch up on the others in the series as well as other mini pods. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Accelerating to a Better Future is a Planet Pod production, co hosted by Amanda Carpenter and Richard Templer. Our thanks to our producer, Jim Hayward, and the team at Imperial College London.